So today, um, I wanted, the only thing I wanted to offer to today's celebration is the seriousness of the subject matter. Because sometimes it could, get, it could get very caught up, and Donnie's video was trying to point that out. It could, very, it could get very caught up in, oh, we're gay, and colors and flags, and dress up and drag, right? But that's, it's so much more than that. And, and when we study and when we, when we, this past year now, prac studies and we look deeply into what that meant and the effect of uh, sexual orientation and the impact on the individuals in the world, it's not easy to choose to be you. It's not easy when we say, I'm going to be me, even if the me I'm being doesn't get your approval. And some of us walk around with a lot of privilege because we're just walking that line that's, you know, that's not special or that's not different. So we, get, we don't have to deal with this stuff. But it's a very big, deep subject that is worthy of all of our time, conversation, and contemplation. And so there was, for the first time in a very long time, and this is, this is his first time, um, I thought to myself, well, what the heck do I know? But there is one amongst us, there was many amongst us, but there's an individual around here that we have loved so dearly for so many years, and I thought this is the time. So I am inviting you all to warmly welcome to the pulpit today to talk to you about coming out. Ty Stevens. Thank you and good morning. Now you so you know coming from a theatrical place where I come from. I really wanted the music to play. I'm coming out. And I was and I was going to come out from behind the screen and make an entrance. But I didn't plan it properly so it didn't happen. But uh, this is a great privilege and and and, and a, a great challenge. So um, the first statement that I want to make is that uh I'm not gay, I'm not African-American, and I'm not male. I am male, I am African-American, I am gay. Truly neither are true, but all are true. The outward appearance of this being implies so much. From a clinical place, you could say that I'm simply a combination of circumstances, the coming together of DNA, molecules, history, societal consciousness, uh, to form the being that then was given a name, creating an identity. Unless the there is a truth to the idea that we choose our life circumstances before we ever enter this realm, uh, we are fairly a crapshoot and at the mercy of the situations that we are born into. So um, in order to make this the, the final point of my talk, um, you're going to hear a lot, a lot of factors and a lot of, of uh, biography, more than I intended originally. I, th I thought, oh, you know, I could talk about my life like through the, through the wall here. But it, in order to make the points and to bring you to where I am today, I really do have to talk about my life and how it shaped the being that you see here. So I often imagine myself as me being born under another time or geographical location or culture or gender. And I wonder, 
Who would this person be under those circumstances, I wonder? Would Ty be Ty, the freer-thinking, creative lover of humanity, or what? The possibilities are endless. Uh, we are the results of our specifics and many nuances. So, the person you see is also a result of your own ideas and expectations. Who do you want me to be to suit your life experiences or expectations? Me, being a people pleaser and a chameleon, I will often want to do my best to fit your needs and expectations and moods, a sort of all-purpose man a, uh, and even a generic person. So how did I get shaped into this being, being the middle of seven children, a two-parent family, two, two family uh, poor to lower middle class home, just barely getting by most of the time, and sometimes we just didn't get by. But I guess we did, because I'm here. Uh, typical middle child feelings, I always felt like I had to be fine in the midst of everybody else's feelings and chaos and needs. And no one had to worry about Ty. He's always fine, never in any, in any real trouble. And again, who did they need me to be? What was I born into? In the midst of, love, of a loving, happy home, there are so many challenges, so much more telling than others, some much more telling than others. Yeah. As, as some of you might know, I was uh, sexually abused when I was eight and 13, and by the same extended family member uh, each time. And, uh, but the first attempt was made, by, made when I was three by some older cousins, and I remember it pretty well for whatever reasons. What aspect of me were they tuning into? What could they see or glean? What impressions did they have of that child that gave them permission to attempt to engage that child in such a way? When, when did he, what did he enter the world with? How much choice was there in this, this three-year-old, this eight-year-old, and even this 13-year-old? So then the question begs, did that make me gay? Did those incidents make me gay, or did they occur because, let me get to the right, no, because I was tipping off somebody's gaydar. There, is a knowing, there was a knowing in me even then that I had feelings that were different from what was considered normal. This is what they tapped into. This is what they took advantage of. But how does a three-year-old know such a thing? It's a question for the sages. These events defined me most of my life. They colored my choices, my feelings of deservedness, my overall self-esteem. That person from those circumstances made choices based on his understanding of his worth in the world. He was disposable. He gave himself away. He threw himself away. This pattern of life thus far told me that I was unworthy of a good many things and that I, oh, that he was not, and, and that he was not enough that he was bad and dirty. Despite those feelings, somehow I knew there was something I was meant to do and achieve. It showed up on television, on the radio, and in movie musicals. I was certainly different. I believe my be beginnings, the beginnings of my journey into metaphysics was given to me by my family's religious diversity. Though most of my family are, surely by default, Baptists, a good portion of my father's side of the family are Muslim. 
and on our predecessors were Moors. And uh, our, a portion of my family are, are actually hyphenated Stevens Bay. And where's Donald? I was going to tell that to him today. <laughs> Stevens Bay. Uh, my father said that he and his brothers would get into fights on their way to school because they wore fezes. These little hats, these little conical hats. Yeah. These little conical hats with a tuss tassel. Um, my father's father was, in his early days, a tent preacher. And uh, I'm told that he and my grandmother were also Garveyites. And if you don't know what that is, that's part of the Back to Africa movement. Yeah, right? <laughs> Led by Marcus Garvey. And I believe that's how they met. I believe that these two disparate faiths, along with the portion of my family who practiced nothing at all, gave me subtle permission to find my own understanding of truth. My mom's side of the family was more traditional and by comparison more conservative, yet more gentle and compassionate side of the family. My maternal grandmother was a regular church goer. And uh, when we were young, we went to Sunday school every Sunday and with her and my aunt and my cousins. And I don't recall my parents going regularly, but I know they had to drop us off or something. So they were there somewhere along the way. But even as a small child, I, uh, I had these feelings of feeling different other than. And I was not comfortable with what the traditional black Baptist church made me feel. I don't recall being able to look anyone in the eye until I was well into my 30s because I felt nothing but shame and confusion rather than spiritual upliftment. I felt I had to hide, keep small, be quiet, lest someone would notice. After all, I did nothing that I could discern to attract the predators that sniffed me out when I was three and eight and 13. So it must show somehow. So the church said, God loves everyone and everything except. God loved, made all things and everyone except. God, they said, was cynical, fickle, jealous, angry, vengeful. And what part of that is confusing? What part of all was confusing? God loving all. And then there's no such thing as and if you say all, <laughs> kind of simple. Uh, or, for that matter, um, let's see, where did I, uh, oh, so somehow the basic idea did hold with me. And it was a point of confusion and still is today. What part of do unto others as you would have them do unto you is confusing? What part of treat others the way you, want, you would want them to treat you is confusing? Why are people still so mean uncharitable and unforgiving, yet claiming to follow the word of God. When we got older and we were given the choice to continue church, none of us went. So I believe I'm not the only one in my family who didn't get it, though many of them are still connected to the Black Baptist Church and attend from time to time. In my world, the Bible would only need one page if everything started there being the kindness and compassion and that we desire and expect from others. No turning of page. Done. End. So what does all this have to do with Pride Day, some might ask? <laughs> so some say that being gay is a choice. But why? Why would I choose this particular combination of circumstances? Gay, male, African-American. Each component of this description has its own danger attached to it in this world, in today's world. When I was growing up in the late 50s, 60s, and 70s, my African-American community, though more accepting 
then the general society, routinely referred to gay men as sissies and faggots, and women as bull dykes. And it was not said in a great, with a great deal of love or favor. It was just acceptance, acquiescence. The interesting thing about the urban community, urban America, is how da the downtrodden and peripheral folks tend to find some commonality, some way of learning to live together, however awkwardly. There was always someone less acceptable than you, and the gays were the lesser of the, the urban poor and lower middle class. I knew, this is what I knew of being gay. The image of being gay men and women in my young life. What a feeling of acceptance, not. So my next question starts, it says, who gave you permission to be gay? But for, uh, so it goes on to say, but for that other reason, that reason that we cannot define, it did not deter me. None of what happened deterred me from following my path. Something told me I was an exception to the faggots and sisters that they laughed at and, and talked about. Something gave me permission to be gay. Certainly it was not without obstacles, even from my own male siblings and their friends. There were inferences and attitudes from particular brothers. There was a steadfast closeness to my sister, my only sister, who was just two years older than me. Could that be it? She was the sibling just before me. Did I get girl juice on me from in the room? <laughs> so coming out, the question I ask is, was I ever in? With gaydar going off all the time, there was no way anybody could not know that I was gay, apparently. So was I ever in? My parents had different reactions. My mother went clinical on me. What, are you secreting enough endocrine? <laughs> my father was fine because of the faggots and sissies and dykes that he knew through his life. He never gave me any hell about it. And I think, I'm digressing from my page, but I kind of think that for some of us who come from larger families, the pressure is not as great. And I say that because I come from five other brothers. And so there was no pressure on me to procreate and have children. You know, even though I, something I would have done and would like to have done, but I just didn't. So, uh, so I didn't have that kind of pressure. But I think that that's part of it for a lot of people who come from smaller families, that they are being obligated subconsciously to do and carry forward the family name and blah, 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 blah. All the stuff that, that keeps people from being who they are. Okay. So, uh, typically, the yearning for spirit and the meaning of life seems to surface somewhere in our 40s when life has been lived to a greater and deeper degree. So much leads us to that place. So many life experiences begin to add up, and we want to know what is, what is, we want to know more than what is right before our eyes. What is the meaning of these experiences? Do we get to define them for ourselves, or, do, or are we at the mercy of this vengeful, mean, vindictive, jealous God of someone else's understanding? For my generation, spiritual yearning really stepped up in the 80s at the height of the AIDS epidemic.
after losing, after losing hundreds of friends, colleagues, and acquaintances, including my very best friend. We were friends since high school. The question began with what the, and continued with why, and then resulted in why not me? Survivor's remorse. I wondered how I dodged that bullet and why. Surviving the 80s, 10 years of therapy, and nine of those in 12-step programs for sexual compulsion in the 90s, God entered the conversation. But meanwhile, there's an image, there's a myth, and yet a truth about gay males. <laughs> that we tend to be much more fabulous and put together, and in many instances more intellectually accomplished than worldly. <laughs> For many reasons, we can, that can feel threatening to the straight male ego of bigger and more aggressive is better. Creativity and sensitivity seem to be more at the core of the gay male, and sadly, creativity and sensitivity are equated with weakness in the eyes of the brutes. And even more sadly, those traits are associated with the female and are still frowned upon, upon uh, uh, in, the fe in the feminine, more, more, sorry, slow down, more nurturing package by these same brutes. They don't know that they're looking in the mirror and hating themselves. What is softness? What is nurture? What is male? What is female? What is masculine? What is feminine? What is effeminate? What is butch? What is flamboyant? What is rugged? Why do gay people, who are an alternative lifestyle, try to conform to these limitations? What are these labels? So honestly, I am as confused as many about the labels or non-labels, identities, non-gender-conforming, -gender non-binary movement of today's LBGTQ community. A deconstruction, a reforming of ideas, and a rejection of automatic gender identity. Changing the rules to the game to fit more, a more modern understanding. Evolved status of humanity. Something the Bible of my upbringing didn't do and its proponents don't allow. As if we still measure life with cattle and frankincense. I am not sure I agree with it, but I do know it's time to change the rules of the game to reflect the actual players rather than the mythical and exaggerated. But the bottom line is, after the cosmetic persona, the outrageous outward expression, all the tattoos, piercings, magenta hair, chaps and leather, boas and feathers, who are you? After you come out, what then? So compassion has always been a part of the community I grew up in. Gay as well as straight. Tolerance and kindness always found me. That is how I survived the minefields of being gay, African-American, and male. Many gay and lesbians do, are not so lucky to have accepting families, communities, churches and friends. Bitterness and sadness can take over and become a guiding force. But if we allow our heightened sensitivity and creativity to guide us all of all sexual persuasions, that softness, that love, that connectedness to, that brings us to the divine, that is the direct connection. When we create, we tend to lose ourselves in it. We go somewhere else. When we share that creativity, we are sharing God. 
When we learn to love and accept our authentic selves of any persuasion, we are reaching deeper into the, into the divine wellspring of love, humanity, which benefit all humanity and nature too. So lastly, I strangely get asked random, in random situations, are you a minister? And I almost shy away from answering since mostly the question comes from Christian Baptist strangers. But when I stand in my shoes, I can say yes, because my life is my ministry. My music is my ministry. And so I guess today I can say, I'm coming out. <laughs>